in your monthly meeting here in London. Uh, we enjoy fellowship with you and we stand with you in your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth regarding his second coming. I'm glad that our brother has a copy of that particular sermon preached by our brother Dean. It maybe was this time last year, I'm not sure, or the year before I brought him down that copy. I, I took it off the, the computer and put it onto a disc. thought our brother would be interested in hearing it. Uh, those meetings had just taken place just before these meetings, and I'm quite glad he did because I don't know whether it was then. I don't remember ever copying it off uh, since that, but when I went to look uh, for it, I have all the other meetings. Uh, there was two meetings on prophecy, and then there was two meetings that her brother Dean preached on the Lord's Day, uh, and I can't for the life of me uh, find it. In between times, I've changed computer as well, so perhaps it got lost in the changeover. However, it is gone, but I'm glad that our brother had it, uh, for uh, we felt then, and we feel now that it's certainly a message that believers need to hear in these times and I know when I mentioned this subject to our brother to preach he was very keen and he said to me that he had been thinking along the same lines himself so I'm glad that 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 meeting has been copied and and there's still a copy in existence Uh, one matter perhaps I could ask you please to pray for we're having some special meetings the week prior just the week before uh, your next meeting, the 18th of November through to the 20th, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday night. Anyone who wants to make the long journey into South Wales and cross over the border and pay your 5.40 at the bridge, uh, then you'd be very welcome to do so. But please do pray for those meetings. Reverend Foster's coming along to speak for us. He hasn't given me his specific subjects yet, but the general theme is going to be, since this is a year when many are thinking about uh, the the Great Revival, Uh, this being a year of anniversary uh, regarding revival, I've asked them to speak upon the subject of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the light of revival. So do pray for those meetings, and if you can, then please do come along and join with us and support the preaching of God's word. Uh, praise God, the greatest revival has yet to be. We look forward with anticipation. And I don't know about you, but reading in the scriptures of those days of blessing uh, fills my heart with zeal and invigorates you to go out uh, and to seek to see God move in our day. But it's good to know that the best is yet before us and the Lord is coming again. And he will bless his name in this world yet. And man will not have the last say. But let's turn please uh, to our subject tonight. Centred around these verses in Jeremiah chapter 23. Let's just read some of the verses around the verse 6 here. Where quite obviously you have uh, the words that we'll be taking as our text tonight. But let's read from the verse 5. Please, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, 
And the king shall reign and prosper. And shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name. Whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries, whether I have driven them. And they shall dwell in their own land. Amen. And may God bless even the rereading of these words to our hearts tonight. For Christ's name's sake. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. With God's word before us, we're going to seek the Lord again in prayer. Seek his blessing upon us tonight and upon his truth and his help. Heavenly Father, we have been in the world. We have felt its hustle, its bustle. We have felt, Lord, Lord, the weariness of Life's journey in so many ways. But Lord, we thank Thee for this meeting this evening. We thank Thee, Lord, for the privilege of coming into Thy presence. We thank the Lord, for this opportunity of gathering around Thy truth. And we pray tonight for Thy help and for Thy blessing upon Thy holy word. Give us grace to speak tonight. Give us grace to hear tonight. May each and every one of us be hearers of God's truth tonight. Plant that blessed seed of God's word deep in our hearts. Give us pliable hearts, Lord. Take away our stony hearts. Give us those hearts of flesh that will imbibe, that will nourish, that will cherish the precious word of God. And may we see God's word flourish in our lives to the glory of Christ's name. We thank thee for the testimony of the of the SGT. We thank the Lord for the magazine as it goes out, for the literature that goes out, for the benefit that is received from the instruction even of these meetings. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt bless thy truth. That thou wilt bless thy truth in these times. Lord, these are hard times. But, Father, we can look up to thee. We can have full confidence in our God. He will do what he has said. Lord, we've grown so accustomed in this world to the broken promise. 
That Lord, we're in danger of coming to thy word in the same fashion. But Lord, thou art the God of all truth. Thou dost not exaggerate. Thou dost not deceive. These things are repugnant to thee. Oh, for greater faith to rely upon the word of our God. For greater faith to trust in our God. To take him at his every word. And to go through with him. Lord, give to thy people in these times. A greater, a greater faith in God. Oh, we would cry to thee tonight. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. May we be built up in our faith. We may, may we press on to know thee and to know thy power and to know thee working in our midst. Come and bless us to the same this evening. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. The promise that is made over here in our text tonight to the people of God is a most precious one. This is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. I am sure tonight those who first heard Jeremiah utter these words, those who heard him declare this truth, Those who were faithful to the Lord in his day were encouraged by these words. I have no doubt as well that the prophet himself, the prophet himself was much encouraged with what he is here given to declare. Because yes, there is blessing for those who proclaim God's truth. And you see, We have to understand tonight, Jeremiah was called to a time of great apostasy. A time of great declension. A time when the enemies of righteousness and truth were advancing and on the march. When sin and wickedness had ebbed into the very fibre and heart of the witness of God that then was. Jeremiah, as a prophet, was called to deliver a message, a message of judgment. To deliver a message That I am sure this evening he would rather not have delivered. He was a man, I have no doubt, who felt keenly 
for the cause of God. And it troubled him greatly that things had come to this to the position they had. And try as he might to escape the duty of delivering this message. He found it impossible. If you turn back just a few chapters in Jeremiah to the chapter 20, for example, in the verse 9, there you will read these words. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But, and this is what I'm saying tonight, He couldn't get away from God's truth. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. God's word burned in his heart and he must deliver God's message. Even though I have no doubt it broke his heart to have to deliver such a message as this. And directly as a consequence of his fidelity to God's message. Directly as a consequence of his faithfully delivering God's warning. His own countrymen. Those whom he loved. His own nation. His own nation. Put him in prison. And sorely tempted him and tried him. For no other reason. Other than he faithfully declared what God had said. And perhaps this is one of the severest aspects of Jeremiah's situation. He lived to see fulfilled these terrible messages of judgment that he had to deliver. The messages of judgment he was commissioned by heaven to declare. Jeremiah himself lived to see them fulfilled. That, I tell you, was a great grief and great pain, undoubtedly, to his heart. He did not have the luxury of Hezekiah who when told of God's judgment, had this consolation. We're told in 2 Kings chapter 20 and the verse 9, Is it not good, Hezekiah says, if peace and truth be in my day? But Jeremiah didn't have this luxury. Jeremiah lived to see 
To see God's cause downtrodden. To see God's enemies advancing. To see the ruinous effects of sin and apostasy and departure from God. He lived to see all the calamities befall his beloved people. But it has to be noted when you read through Jeremiah. It has to be noted that though the dark clouds had gathered all around. And although these predictions were being fulfilled in the midst of the darkness. We are given glimpses of the light and the glory of our Lord. Throughout the ministry of Jeremiah, the sunshine of heaven appears through the clouds. This passage is very clearly one such example. You will notice that the verses here are all about Christ. Christ is the prophet's theme. Here from the verse 5. Behold the days come, saith the Lord. He had opened the chapter with a lamentation. Woe be unto the pastors. In in the verse 9, at the conclusion of this passage, in the verse 9 we read, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. He's lamenting here, but in the midst of his lamentation there is hope. There is hope. And it's surely noteworthy tonight that Christ is the hope. Christ is the hope. Oh, discouraged people of God tonight, let us hear this. Sin and wickedness is advancing. Wicked men are waxing worse and worse. But Christ, Christ is still our encouragement. Make no mistake about it, the prophets spoke clearly and plainly about Christ. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah, is speaking clearly and plainly in this place about Christ. He's focusing our attention upon Christ for the hope of God's people is Christ. The Lord himself instructs us, you will remember, that we are to search the scriptures. We are to search the Old Testament. Why? Because he tells us that there you will find Things regarding himself. You'll find me, Christ, in the Old Testament. Because the prophets spoke about me. And they speak as clearly about Christ as the New Testament writers do. That's not always perceived in these times. You want to know about Christ? And then he will immediately point you to the... New Testament. 
and overlooked the Old Testament. But the Old Testament fundamentally sets before us the very same Christ. Interestingly, Paul, the apostle, writing in that very important book, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, is constantly during that book referring us back to the Old Testament. There's in the very first chapter a whole series of quotes from the Old Testament. Her brother was mentioning the psalm, the, the, the book of Psalms being the theme next year. Well there, in that book where Paul is establishing who Christ really is, setting him forth in all of his glory, he's not ashamed. Indeed, the Old Testament scriptures are his foundation. And it surely tonight is noteworthy to point out here and to pick up upon this fact that here in the midst of all of the discouragement that was then the situation that was facing Jeremiah that was then facing the witness of God as Judah went into captivity as Jerusalem fell to the hands of the Babylonians it's surely noteworthy to pick up that that which God gives as a message to lift up the hearts of the discouraged people of God was a message centered upon Christ A people who are witnessing on every hand man's failure, the failure of man's power, of man's authority. Earthly kings and earthly kingdoms coming to an end and bringing disappointment. It's noteworthy surely. That in such circumstances, the people of God's attention is fixed upon the King of Heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And is it possible tonight to have a further exhibition of the character of Christ than what we have in this place? Just glance over the verses that I have singled out tonight. I say here we have a full demonstration of the character of Christ. We have his origin. Jeremiah points to where Christ will arise from. In verse 5 he says, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. This was a time when the throne of David was going into captivity. The power of that throne was coming under the power of the Gentile king. 
at this very time. But God here through his prophet Jeremiah points the people, points the people and says from this very source will rise the righteous branch. I will raise unto David. God is saying, look, look from where Christ will come. Don't be discouraged by the present circumstances. When we look out today upon the church of Jesus Christ, she is in a very weak and powerless condition. I can't help when I read Jeremiah, but draw parallels uh, to uh, this present age in which we live and the spiritual condition in which we find ourselves it, it, it's so self explanatory Jeremiah's message and Jeremiah's ministry is one fitted to this very day in which we live but let not our thinking be governed by present circumstances God says, I will raise unto David a righteous branch. I, the great I am, the God with whom nothing is impossible, I will keep my word to David. It doesn't matter how unlikely it looks at the moment. Political circumstances seem to be going in the very opposite direction. But God says to his people through Jeremiah, From the line of David the righteous branch will come. So we have the origin of Christ. We have the character of Christ here referred to. I will raise unto David a righteous branch. A righteous branch. How very different the rule, the, the, the kingdom of Christ is to the kingdoms of this world. How very different indeed to all of those kings that have gone before, even in Jerusalem. The best of whom could not and never did attain to the place where the the righteous branch attains to. Even the best of kings that ruled over Israel had had all their feelings and their faults and their shortcomings. The best of them did not come up to the standard. But God says... God says to his discouraged people in these dark and foreboding days, I will raise unto David. Not not a king like the kings you have known that have brought you such disappointment. No, I'm going to raise unto you a righteous branch. A righteous branch, the character of Christ, the origin of Christ. But then look at the office of Christ here as well as mentioned, verse 5. And we're just passing through these things for you to consider yourself here regarding Christ. Verse 5, a king shall reign and prosper. 
Behold, and the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king. This is the office. This is the office of Christ. Christ is a king. And he has a kingdom. Today Christ, the king, is of course reigning in the lives of all true believers, all who have bowed the knee spiritually to Christ. Christ reigns in their lives. But the day will come, the scripture assures us, the day will come when Christ will be king here on earth. Seen to be king. Owned as king. Declared as king. The office of Christ. Then what about the effects of his administration? And I take great personally great comfort and consolation in this. Because yes, like like the days of Jeremiah, men disappoint us. Men disappoint us. Men do. Men do. Man never lives up to the promise he makes. He never does. But let us not carry that over to our Lord and Saviour but for take a glance here tonight not only at his office he's king but look at the effects that his ministration will have in this world a king shall reign shall reign he shall have real powers he will carry out real of justice he shall reign and prosper days come saith the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth see the picture That's here being presented to us. This is how things will be. This is not just a wish list. This is not how we just hope it shall be. This is how it shall be. God says it. God says it. We are to believe it. Verse 6. In his days Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. Tell me the man tonight who can speak about the future with such certainty as this. These are God's words. These are God's words. Let me assure you tonight that these promises shall be fulfilled. We're coming up very shortly here in our land to that time when politicians of all shades of opinion will be making their bid for our votes. 
And they will be coming out with their manifestos and all the promises of what they would do if they had power in their hands. And we know by by long experience to look at these documents with great skepticism. Well, here are promises that are of a very different nature. They shall be fulfilled. This, this is reality. This is history recorded before it takes place. And it will take place exactly as God here states. We rely on the scriptures accounts of past events. We read other history books. We gain much profitable information from all our history, history books. But when we're reading a book written by man, we're always mindful of the fact that we can't 100% rely upon it. We can't 100% trust that everything we read in that book is absolutely accurate. But when we come to the history of the Bible, we have no such difficulty. We can cast all fears aside. We can trust that what the Bible says about the past was exactly what happened. Will we carry that over into the future as well? Because we're dealing with the God who knows the end from the beginning. Who has ordered all things according to the counsel of his will. And here, Jeremiah, in these foreboding days, in in this dark situation, takes the people for encouragement into this future scene. The days come, he says. The days come when God will raise unto David a righteous branch and the king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth and in his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely then we come to the words really which are our subject for tonight The words that declare the fame, if you like, that Christ will have as the righteous king. The fame that Christ will have as the righteous branch. This is his name, whereby he shall be called. This is the name that will be placed upon him. The Lord, our righteousness. Tested and proved he will be. Proclaim the Lord, our righteousness. What a wonderful title. And what truths there are here in this title for us to pick up on this evening. And I just want to run through some very simple thoughts here that arise out of this title. This 
proclamation. That is placed upon Christ. This is the name. Whereby Christ shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. First of all will you notice with me here in these words. The truth. That our God can only be dealt with. Can only be approached. Upon the grounds of righteousness. We understand that tonight. The ground of reconciliation between our souls and God. Is righteousness. Is righteousness. There can be no ambiguity tonight about this matter. If we are to enjoy fellowship with heaven. If we are to walk with God. If we are to enjoy the company of God again. Which we lost at the fall. We must come upon the grounds of righteousness. This is Heaven's precept. No lack of straightness toward God's law is permitted. All slacking of heaven's standard is repugnant to the holy God of heaven. Now I recognize tonight that that is not That is not a popular subject. You'll not hear it preached upon from many pulpits. But that is God's truth tonight. If we are to have fellowship with God. If we are to be reconciled to God. It must be upon the grounds of righteousness. You see our God is a holy God. He hates all Departing from his holy standard. All deviation from his law and from his holiness. He can have nothing to do with. Salvation tonight is not our making a deal as it were with the God of heaven. Or meeting God at some halfway point and bringing together some sort of arrangement whereby we can bring peace between ourselves. That's, that's the common notion of peace today. We have two parties at war one with the other. The world says bring them to the table. Let's negotiate. Let's find the middle ground. And thereby we will have peace. And that's the the widespread philosophy and thinking and theory whereby man is working today right across the world. That's his great objective. Bring peace to the world by bringing warring factions 
to some middle place. But that's not how, that's not how we have peace with God. Salvation will not come this way. God reveals it to us here in this text. This is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. If we are to have peace with God, we must come upon the grounds of righteousness or we will have no peace at all. We will have no peace at all. If you turn back in your Bible to the the book of Job, <clears throat> Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. A question is asked, and it's as relevant today as it was when Job asked it. Job says, verse 2 of the chapter 9, I know it is so of a truth, but how shall a man be just with God? In other words, how, how shall a man be righteous with God? Job is here recognizing this very truth. If we are to be reconciled with God, we must be righteous. We must be righteous. Therefore he cries out, how should man be just with God? Reconciliation with God can only be on the grounds of righteousness. Do you remember what the Lord had to say in that famous sermon of his? We find it recorded in in Matthew chapter 5 and the verse 20. Matthew chapter 5 and the verse 20. Speaking uh, to off the scribes and Pharisees he says there uh, in the verse 20 of Matthew chapter 5 and I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven oh can the matter be clearer tonight can the matter to be clear tonight? If man, the sinner, if you, tonight the unregenerate sinner in this meeting, are to be reconciled with God, it must be, it essentially has to be, heaven says, that you're reconciled upon the foundation of righteousness. That's the first thing we need to look here in this great Proclamation that is made in the day of Christ regarding Christ. This is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. It ever has been and it ever shall be. Sinners are reconciled to God upon no other grounds than righteousness. But secondly, will you notice here the great the great difficulty and the great problem that man is in because in and of himself he is without righteousness he's without righteousness first of all we have seen 
The grounds of acceptance with God is righteousness. But the great difficulty that faces us as sinners is we are devoid of righteousness. The persons here speaking in this text of ours, in this future scene that is unfolded before us, these individuals are owning this. By making this declaration, they are declaring this very truth. This is one of the things at the very heart of what they're saying. They're saying here, we have no righteousness of our own. This is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. We have no righteousness of our own. Paul, speaking in the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians, the chapter 3 and the verse 9, Philippians chapter 3 and the verse 9, he enters into the very same Spirit here. In Philippians chapter 3 and the verse 9, Paul is really declaring the same thing. And be found in him, not having what mine own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What's Paul saying here? Not having mine own righteousness. For the saint of God, The true believer recognizes, first of all, that he must have righteousness if he can approach God. But he also has learned this lesson. He has no no righteousness of his own. Not having mine own righteousness. Isaiah speaks in that great chapter, Isaiah chapter 64 and the verse 6. There in the midst of that verse he says about his own righteousness or our own righteousnesses are as what? As filthy rags. Repugnant to God. Repugnant to God. Oh I tell you right at the heart of this statement is this owning of this fact. Here are people. Not proclaiming their own righteousness. In fact, here are a people who join with Paul in that verse we read in Philippians chapter 3. They're gladly owning the fact that they have no righteousness of their own. But then thirdly, this verse shows us tonight... That Christ alone hath fulfilled all righteousness for those that believe. This is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled all righteousness. Christ is the only one fit for this task. To provide perfect righteousness. That perfect robe. That enables us to come into God's presence. In life. In death. He provided that righteousness. Christ. The scriptures tell us. Did no sin. His life. Was. Minutely. Examined. His every word. His every deed. Was critically. Investigated. But. No sin. No sin by his enemies. Was laid at his door. Oh believe you me tonight. If sin could have been found. It would have been pointed out. The devil had nothing in him. There was no sin in Christ. He could not sin. He did not sin. In the first epistle of Peter. In the chapter 2. First epistle of Peter, the chapter 2 and the verse 21, we read these words. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that he should follow, that we should, that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin. Neither was Guy found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes we are healed. No sin in Christ. He is, he is the righteousness of those who trust in him. No sin in Christ. He fulfilled, he fulfilled all the law's demands. Do you remember what he said? Away at the beginning of his ministry in, 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 in Matthew chapter 3 in the verse 15. At his baptism, speaking to John, he said in verse 15, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. It was the meat, it was the very meat and drink of Christ, to do the will of his heavenly Father. Oh, the righteousness that we need. The righteousness that reconciles us to God, that brings us on to God tonight, is all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no righteousness. Our best works are but filthy rags in God's sight. But every believer joins with the people here in this great proclamation. This is the name. Whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Christ 
is our righteousness. Is Christ your righteousness tonight? Because you know finally I want to say this. This declaration here in our text. This proclamation here in our text. Shows us that Christ must be owned as our righteousness. It's not enough tonight for you just to know that Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. That Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the law's demands. It's not enough that you just know that fact. Here were people and they were owning him on a personal level. They were owning the truth that they needed righteousness to approach God. They were owning the truth that they had no righteousness of their own. They were owning the truth that Jesus Christ was their righteousness. They had taken Christ. They had taken Christ to be their own. That's the secret. Have you put on the robe of Christ's righteousness? Or are you still standing today in those those terrible rags of your own righteousness? How do you propose tonight? How do you propose tonight? That the sin issue be dealt with in your life. We were talking, we were having an open air yesterday. Uh, my brother, uh, a fellow minister, uh, Mr. Smith and myself in, in, in Cardiff, and there was a gentleman came up to us afterwards and we were spoke, speaking to him for quite some time. And he was speaking about his repenting. But there was a notable a notable absence of the mention of Christ. And when I asked him, how was his sin dealt with? There was silence. There was silence. Well, you see, our text tonight, our text tonight is the believer's answer. What about our sin? Where's the answer? This is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord. Here are a people who have taken what Christ has accomplished and by faith applied it to their hearts. There's an interesting parallel here in the book of Jeremiah. If you turn over to the chapter 33, where this very same title is given to the city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah chapter 33, and it's a verse 16. Let's read the words there. Uh, Let's read, in fact, from the verse 15. And you'll see how closely aligned are these passages. But please, please look out for the difference. For there's a crucial difference here as well. In those days... Verse 15, in that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. 
In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jerusalem has become now so identified with the Christ whom she rejected that she takes his very name and this is the heart of the gospel I tell you tonight where the believer repents yes of his or her sins but believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and becomes so identified with Christ that their identity is then lost that's what it is to be a Christian Paul let go of everything he let go of his pedigree and what what a history Paul had but he said he counted it all loss why? that he might gain Christ Christ became everything Christ became everything this is the name whereby she shall be called the Lord our righteousness at the close of this meeting tonight let me put this to every soul in this meeting is the Lord is the Lord your righteousness have you become so identified with Christ that you have lost everything that is of self everything has gone Christ this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness can you join in tonight with this song can you join in tonight with this proclamation oh I trust you can if not tonight if not tonight turn at once to Christ Don't delay any longer. Right here and now. Behold, today is a day of salvation. Take Christ to be your righteousness. And then your voice. Your voice will join that great company of the redeemed. Of whom we're reading about here in this verse tonight. And this will be your song. Not only here upon earth. But throughout, throughout Christ's reign here upon earth and throughout the endless ages of God's eternity. May God bless his word to our hearts for Christ's sake. Amen.